So this morning, I want to come once again from Paul's letter to Timothy. This time I'm in the uh, second letter, the third and fourth chapter, for those of you who are following along. Paul tells us that anyone who wants to live all out for Jesus Christ these days in the world as it is, is in for a lot of trouble. That's not news to anybody, is it? Simply no getting around it because there are those in the world, false teachers, false prophets, who are going to continue to exploit the faith. And the thing is about those folks that preach a false narrative is that they are just as deceived themselves as they are deceivers to the people that they lead astray. They're, they themselves are led astray even as they lead people astray. And as long as they're out there, Scripture tells us, things are only going to get worse before they get better. But believe it or not, that is good news. Timothy explains a little bit about that because you and I, because of our relationship with Jesus, we are set apart from the world. Listen to what he says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the gospel. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming, when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. And they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry to the fullest. <laughs> See, Paul says, and this is the good news, don't let the false teachers and false prophets, those deceivers out there, don't let them influence you. Don't let them influence you not one little bit. Stick to what you have learned and believed, being sure of the integrity of those teachers and those pastors who have taught you along the way from Scripture. See, Paul tells us there's nothing like the written Word of God for showing us the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Because every part of Scripture is inspired. He says God breathed. And it's useful 
one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion. And we have a lot of little rebellions along the way. Correcting our mistakes. Training us to live God's way instead of our own way. Paul says, through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. And so if you're in the Word of God daily, if you study the Bible, if you attend worship services regularly, if you listen to sound biblical teaching, if you attend Tuesday night Bible study, right here in the Fellowship Hall at 5.45 p.m., Yes. If you do those things, then you will know false deceptive teaching when you hear it. If you study the truth, then you'll recognize the false prophet when he pops up. When something doesn't sound quite right, it usually isn't. Paul says, I can't impress this on you strongly enough. He says, God is looking over your shoulder. That's an interesting image, isn't it? Christ Himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. And He, Jesus, is about to break open into this world with His rule. And so we, the church, have to be about proclaiming the Gospel message with intensity. That's, that's the word Paul uses. Proclaim the Gospel message with intensity. Not softly, not timidly, not as if we don't really quite know what we're talking about. We just need to be talking. No. Proclaim it boldly with the knowledge that you have been taught, with the life that you have been living for God. Proclaim the Gospel message. Keep on your watch. Challenge people. Warn people. Urge people. Don't quit, Paul says. And then he adds this one little tidbit that I find interesting. He says, just keep it simple. Simple. God's Word is not complicated. You have to keep the Gospel simple and straightforward. It's not complicated even though sometimes people make it complicated. And Paul warns us that there's a time coming when people are going to reject sound doctrine. Well, that time is upon us. We have decided to go elsewhere because where we were was rejecting sound doctrine in favor of their own narrative. Sound doctrine, sound biblical teaching gives light and truth and hope to those who are willing to receive it. But those people who are all about self, those people who've hardened their heart to the true Gospel, Harden their heart to the divinity of Jesus Christ. To those people, sound doctrine causes them discomfort and this inner angst, this anxiety. Why? Because they exist in a state of inner turmoil. Their self-righteousness and their self-importance are in conflict with the true person that God created them to be. And so when those things butt heads within themselves, when they hear biblical truth, it flies in the face of their narcissistic belief system, their all-about-me philosophy of life, and they reject the truth because it doesn't tickle their ears. 
And it doesn't tickle their fancy. It doesn't support their lifestyle. And so they reject it. And we have to remember that we are not here to change God's Word. God's Word is here to change us. But Paul says, all of you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times that come along along with the good times. But whatever you do, whether it's good times or bad, keep the Gospel message alive. Just do a thorough job being a servant of the living God. Why would Paul tell us to do that? Well, there's a good answer for that question in our uh, uh, Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah. He says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals, and just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge, but all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. What is all this sour grape stuff? Jeremiah is telling us that we must be in the Word and we must proclaim the Gospel because the time is coming when every individual will be held accountable for their own sin. Each individual is accountable for themselves individual accountability for sin. And because there's individual accountability, there's also individual retribution for sin. We can't blame our individual sin on those people who came before us because it falls on each of us alone. And that's why keeping our eye on what we're doing is so important and don't pay so much attention to what those folks over there are doing. They have to sort that out for themselves. That's why knowing the truth and proclaiming it, learning it, teaching it are so important because the way out of that individual retribution is only by the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for all the sins of the world. There's no other way out. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a false teacher. Anyone who tells you that Jesus is not the Son of God is a false teacher. Anyone who tells you that there are other ways to heaven is a false teacher. You'll recognize them when you hear because it, whatever they're trying to convince you of will fly in the face of everything that you know that God has implanted in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, it will go against the grain. Now after this discussion of sour grapes, Jeremiah talks about a new covenant. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So what's this passage about? Well, Jeremiah, centuries before Christ appears as Messiah, as God in the flesh, Jeremiah tells of the new covenant that God will make with his people. And it won't be the kind of covenant that's carved into stone tablets. won't be carried around in an ark. It won't be held behind the veil in a temple. won't be the kind of covenant that can be broken by fickleness and frailty of human beings. No, this is, this is a new covenant. It's different. It will be put within each and every believer. It will be written on their hearts. And God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And in the kingdom of God, there will no longer be the need to teach people about God because they will know me, God says, firsthand. God will wipe the sin slate clean and He will forgive our sins and He will remember our sin no more. As you're sitting there this morning, I don't suppose most of us have dwelt on the idea that my sins, your sins, my sins have been wiped clean by what Jesus did for you on the cross. Whatever sin burden you're carrying around with you this morning for whatever reason has been forgiven and wiped clean because of your relationship with Jesus. God remembers it no more. So if you're carrying around the extra burden of guilt for some reason, let it go. Let that stuff go. Lay it at the base of the cross this morning. Because if God has forgotten it because of Jesus, who are you to hang on to. Hanging on to sin that's been forgiven by your Lord and Savior, that's just plain arrogance. And so let it go this morning. So as I wrap up this message, I want to impress on each of you what we've been discussing this many weeks. See, in this new season of revival that we're experiencing, our, our mission is to be missional. What does that mean? See, the prophet Jeremiah reminds us as believers that the Word of God is written on our hearts. This separates you and me in a holy way from the rest of humanity. The rest of humanity who proceeds, they per perceive God's law only from the perspective of conscience. They know somewhere within them what's right and what's wrong. 
They just don't quite know why it's right or wrong. And if they do have a conscience, and I'm not saying everyone does, not one that they regularly go to, if they do have it, they only choose to follow their conscience, their, their conscience when it's convenient. But because God's law is written on our hearts, it's written within us, it is now our nature, yours and mine, to be responsive to the sending out that God does so that you and I can go and be witnesses and be proclaimers of the Gospel the way He intended. And we call this response, this sending, the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And our mission and ministry as the church, every outreach we do from the church must become part of that Missio Day. Every day. Not a, not a weekend project, but a daily lifestyle. So we can't rest and be satisfied with simply being just another church in shepherd. But rather we must strive to be the church in shepherd. You see the difference? There's a church on nearly every corner. And they are a church in the community. But as the sending of God pushes us out into the community to proclaim the gospel message, we need to strive to be the church, the body of Christ, not just in motion, not just going through the motions, but now because of this revival spirit that's upon us, we need to be the very movement of Christ throughout this community. And so things like setting up a booth for a fall festival is a perfect opportunity for us to be that. Now, am I saying that we need to put a soapbox up next to our booth and just be out there preaching the gospel? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we should be living the gospel for the community to see. Wouldn't it be interesting? I'm just going to throw it out there. Do with it what you will. Wouldn't it be interesting if with every piece of candy we passed out, we passed out a Bible verse with it? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be maybe a little bit unique? I'm not saying it's never been done before. I'm saying that we've never done it. Proclaim the Gospel as we're passing out candy. Maybe John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? Maybe that's a good verse that we put into the trick-or-treat bags. Let's let the Jesus Christ that's written on our hearts be spread to other people's hearts this season.
Because feeding the community physically is good. Feeding the community spiritually is better. We have to give people the gift of an experience with the living Christ. We have to build relationships with the unchurched so that eventually when they get around to realizing that they have this God-shaped hole in their soul, maybe, just maybe, they'll remember, hey, where was that church that gave me the Bible verse with my candy? And so when they do get around to walking up those steep little steps outside of our narthex there, they might feel, you know what, they want me to be here. They asked me to be here. They gave me the Word of God with my candy. And so they might venture to darken the door of the sanctuary one Sunday morning. See, I was looking for an example this morning about how the body of Christ serves the community. And at the other church down there, Cindy was about to give the announcements. And there was a little ruckus in the fellowship hall which is connected right to the sanctuary. And a homeless gentleman who comes in from time to time was there with a dog bite on his arm. And as Cindy was given the announcements, I looked around and there may have been eight people in the sanctuary. And I realized that half the church, more than half the church, was in the fellowship hall praying over this homeless man that had come in. One of them, who is a nurse, was applying first aid to his arm. Another were getting food and water for him together. And although the announcements are important, there wasn't anything more important at that moment than being the church to that homeless person. And so, yeah, we, we started church five, eight minutes later than usual, but watching the church be the church before worship was priceless. I know for a fact that this church, this community, has that same heart and spirit. I've seen it. Because as you can imagine, this church, this community, has its share of homeless visitors that walk in the door. And the reason why we respond like that is because God has written on our hearts so that we would yearn for Him yearn for the knowledge of Him, yearn for the truth of Him, yearn to learn more about Him and who He is, and by extension, learn more about who He created us to be, what He created us to do in the kingdom, to minister to the lost and the least. My prayer for you this morning is that each of you
would look to your hearts and see that God's Word is written there. That you would move to respond to God's sending that Missio Day in such a mighty way that this community would be drawn to Him by His life and His light that is shining through you. You have an opportunity to do that coming up very soon. Let's make that a part of the revival spirit that is coming alive here in Shepherd Methodist Church. And my prayer for you is may God breathe that life into you today and write it on your hearts in such a way that it brings you deeper into relationship with Jesus Christ, deeper relationship with God the Father, and that the Holy Spirit that dwells in you would radiate from your life, from your words, from everything about you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.